Amen. Turning your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. This is my third week in the book of Romans chapter 14. I've been preaching for months out of Romans. And this chapter is all about how we get along with each other. You think the church needs to hear a sermon on how to get along? (laughs) I think some of you skipped kindergarten, how to play well with others. (laughs) Amen. We're going to talk in, um, it's the last part of Romans chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 14, read through the end of the chapter. And I just titled this, for a lack of a better title, Strengthening My Brother in the Church. Strengthening My Brother in the Church. Do you know... Um, that's really important. And remember Jesus asked somebody um, to take, he told the story of the Good Samaritan, I believe it was, and, and the guy said, well, who is my neighbor? And um, your neighbor is anyone you come in contact with, right? That you can share the gospel to. All right, Romans chapter 14, beginning with verse 14, he says, I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ is these in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Isn't that an interesting statement? Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he does not eat from faith and whatever is not from faith is sin. Father God, we come before you today. And Lord, we pray, God, that revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and knowledge would flow in this place. God, I pray even now that you would begin to unlock the mystery of these verses to not only my heart, to every heart in here. God, that we would glean what the Spirit of God wants us to glean from today. That we would walk as examples of your children and that we would love each other without compromise father i thank you lord jesus for the word of god it is anointed for a specific purpose father i pray god right now lord take this anointed word and apply it to our hearts let the word of god and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight for you are my rock and my redeemer in jesus name we pray amen amen Romans 14 is all about how we get along. Talked at the beginning a couple of weeks ago about disputable matters. Don't, don't fight over different things. 
You see, there's every, every one of us have things that the Lord has revealed to us personally that you can't necessarily preach from the pulpit because it's not a pulpit thing. It's not, it's not a kingdom thing, but it's a personal thing, right? It's a personal conviction. Like you may have a personal conviction that every man ought to wear a white t-shirt. Well, I don't have that conviction. <laughs> and you can't preach that from the pulpit because you don't have word on it. You get you get it? See, we don't preach anything that we don't have word to stand on. But the Lord, He, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So therefore, when Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, begins to deal with you, He will expose things in your heart that maybe you've had history with. Like if you've been very immoral with the opposite sex, the Lord may cause you to really withdraw, right? You know, or, or maybe you've just had a problem with your tongue and the Lord says, be quiet. Well, now you, you don't get up in front of the pulpit and preach, okay, everybody ought to just be quiet in the kingdom of God. No, that, but me, maybe I need to be quiet, right? So we all have some things that are personal convictions And I believe what the Lord is really saying is don't make fun of other people's personal conviction. See, I'm wrong by by telling you you shouldn't do. That's silly. That makes me wrong. What I need to do is encourage you to follow the Holy Ghost. See, I'm not your Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful? (laughs) But the Holy Spirit can do His own work. And He will convict you of certain things. Now, the things in this chapter was specifically talking about eating certain foods and observing certain holidays. So uh, Paul had started this church out of the Gentiles and there were many Jewish believers and the Jewish believers said, no, you don't need to do that. You don't, you know, we can't eat pork. We can't eat these things and we need to observe these holidays. And it wasn't for Paul to go in and say, stop that nonsense. He was just saying, first of all, he said, first of all, there's nothing unclean. God's made it all clean. So if you have liberty to eat that, you have liberty to eat it. But when I'm with you, if that causes you to stumble, then I will not eat it. So I have a son that sort of believes this. And he observes those traditions of the Jewish um, things where you don't eat pork, don't eat shrimp, things like that, and he observes the holidays, and and when we get together, it's a bit cumbersome, because I love bacon. <laughs> I, I love things like that, but you know what? It's not right for me to eat that in front of him, knowing that his conviction and I'm going to go one more step. Not only is it not right, it's not right for me to condemn him. You know what he's doing? He's got a conviction of God in his heart. Now, I'll tell you what I did do. We had to have a come to come to meet Jesus, right? Um, so we we got together and I said, Drew, just tell me this is not a salvation issue for you, is it? He said, absolutely not, Dad. I know you're, you're saved through Jesus and Jesus alone. I said, then why are you doing this? He said, because I think it pleases him. And I said, I'll leave you alone. I'm okay with that. As long as we know it's not a salvation issue. 
See, you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. And that by itself, you can't add anything to that. Now we try to, don't we church? We try to say, if you want to be saved, you got to wear your hair like me. Right? (laughs) What hair? Shut up. (laughs) Oh, you're talking about you, not me. (laughs) You know, we, yeah, with the hole in the middle, I got a donut haircut, so. (laughs) So, the key issue here is we walk in love towards each other. Right? Not grumbling, not disputing. I mean, Jesus is, or Paul is really telling us through the Spirit of God. Uh, it's, it's about love. Now, I'm going to add a complication to this. Can I do that? Can I complicate it for just a second? Paul was taking his message to the Gentiles. That's what Jesus had called him to do, is go to the Gentiles. Now, when he first went to take this message of the gospel to the Gentiles, he goes to what we call the Jerusalem Council. That was the elders of the, the, the very beginning of the church. It's in Acts chapter 15. Did you pull that up? That's my notes, okay. It's chapter 15, 29, and, and Paul says, guys, I want to hear it from you. Why do you want me to teach these fellas? Do I have to teach them to be circumcised? And they said, no. And so it was James, the brother of Jesus, that stood up as the leader, he had just got saved. And he said this, tell them to abstain from meat, eaten from idols. That's one of these concepts right here. Sacrifice to idols. He said, uh, uh, don't eat things that were strangled. Stay away from blood. And I believe the fourth thing was remember the poor. Remember those that, that have needs. So they have... People that believe this way. Now, we don't have idols that we're sacrificing things to, but they did. And so this was a real problem in the church, and we have real problems in the church today. Right? We're not going to go back into them. (laughs) Um, But verse 17 is one of the most powerful verses, I think, in the Bible. So I'm going to go, and then I'm going to back up a little bit. And it says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Kingdom of God is not, it's not party life. You know, we have such a party spirit in our world today, don't we? That it has came into the church to where we have elevated fun as... (laughs) We had a great prayer meeting last night. I think we had 10 people here. If I call a potluck, I'll have 100 people. Ah, we like to party. We like to have a good time. We like to eat. (laughs) You can look at me and tell I like to eat. But we don't like to pray. But Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. You see, that that's what this verse is coming back to. We're not all about eating and drinking. Do we have to eat and drink? You do if you want to live, right? So he's not talking about that. But let me, let me go one more step. The Bible says in the last days, it will be like the days of Noah, where they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. In other words, divorce would be easy. 
we could just switch wives the drop of a hat. Does that not sound a whole lot like today? Do you not think that maybe Jesus is coming back really soon? Just maybe. (laughs) The kingdom is about righteousness, upright living. I'm not going to get on my soapbox. I just want you to know, stop calling yourself a worm. I'm just, I'm just a sinner. You were a sinner saved by grace. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, when God looks at you now, He doesn't see a sinner. He sees His Son. Now, you may think that I'm splitting hairs. I'm not. This is a huge issue in the church today. See, because when you begin to see yourself as righteous, not because you've done something so great, our righteousness is as a gift of God, right? We accept His righteousness. But when you begin to take on the righteousness of Christ, it changes your attitude on who you are. All of a sudden, your identity is not in your job. It's in Jesus. My identity is not in my home life. It's in Jesus. So righteousness is a gift of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, if you've been in this church for two weeks you've heard me quote this probably he says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him philippians 3 9 says and being found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness which is from god by faith We have this righteousness that has come into us, so we need to begin to declare the things of God over our life. So as long as you keep calling yourself a sinner, you're going to keep sinning. But when you start calling yourself righteous, not because I'm good, but because Jesus is good, I am righteous, I've been made righteous, it changes you. Jesus said this in Matthew 15. He says, it's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but it's what proceeds out of the mouth. Hallelujah. Can I say amen to that? It's not what I eat that makes me unrighteous. It's all that garbage that comes out. Do you find yourself repenting a lot for what you say? I'm glad a couple people raised their hand. I thought I was going to be alone. (laughs) So righteousness is upright living. It's not keeping rules and regulations. It is about a relationship with God the Father. How quick when you mess up, we all mess up, how quick are you to repent? Does it take you a few days, maybe a week? Or does it happen in seconds? Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. It's about the relationship we have through God the Father. Through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, when the three in one come together. He says the kingdom is about righteousness, and it's about peace. (laughs) You know, peace is something that 
most Christians sort of just take it for granted, but people in the world, they don't know peace. And I have found that the longer I serve Jesus, and the closer we get to the end time, the more that I'm seeing that the church is losing the peace of God. And that concerns me. Peace, in the Old Testament, was called shalom. In the New Testament, it's it's irene in the Greek. And it's more than inner tranquility. It's completeness. Tranquility in the soul that's unaffected by outward circumstances or pressure. It's the rule of order in our lives. In the place of chaos, we have peace. Now look at your life for just a second. Think about what you're going through right now. If you have chaos in your life, it's not God's will. Let's just call it out. Can we just call it out? That ain't God's will. Because God wants you to have peace. Matter of fact, part of the armor of God is to shod our feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Maybe you hadn't been getting dressed in the morning. Mm -mm, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting. Then he says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, joy is like a magnet. People want to be around a joyful person. Now, joy is not laughing all the time, right? And it's not having everything going your way. You can have joy and have grief. You can have joy and have lots of problems. Can I give you a definition of joy? It's the best definition I've ever found. It's the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Do you know that? God's in control. And it's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. It's going to be okay. Can you just say that? It's going to be okay. But I like the third part of this definition. It's the determined choice. I get to choose on this baby. It's the determined choice to praise God in every situation. You see, praising God is a, like a, is like a weapon for you. When your life starts falling apart, close the door. Start worshiping the Lord and do a little Holy Ghost dance. Hallelujah. Right? I mean, there's something about dancing before God that, I don't know, it catches his attention. And I just lost half of this congregation. You're just like, whoa, that old boy's getting crazy now. I'm crazy for Jesus. And I'm crazy to see you win some battles. I'm telling you some truth. It's the determined choice. You gotta have, you gotta have a made up mind. You make your mind up, I'm successful. I'm going all the way with Christ. That doesn't mean that the, the devil's not going to see it, send every little imp your way. You're still going to have problems, but I have made the choice. I am going to finish my course, right? And I'm going to praise Him all the way home. Hallelujah. You know, when you, when you really think about it, if you were the devil, you're not, <laughs> but if you were the devil, when would you 
pour the, the worst temptation, the worst trial on someone's life? When you saw them doing right. When you see that they're getting close to winning the battle. Right? Buddy, I'd pour it on if I was the devil. I'd say, if this old boy keeps going, he's going to win. I better let hell, I'm going to unleash hell on him. But when you, yeah, but when you know that you know that you know that you know, I'm a child of the King and God is on my side. I don't care what devil comes my way. I'm going to beat him up. And I believe we can have that kind of joy in our life. He goes on, he says, therefore pursue the things by which make peace. And the things which edify. And that, my brother and sister, is called church. Church is not about... Church is about bringing edification to each other. It's about loving each other. Can I just say, it's a whole lot more than what I'm doing right now. Church is not a building, you're the church. And ministry is not just preaching and singing. It's loving each other. Pursue peace. Who are you to bring an encouraging word to today in this congregation? I promise you, there are many people that need to hear an encouraging word. Not a lie, not a fabrication, but the truth of the Word of God. And you say, well, I don't have anything. Well, seek the Lord. He's got something for you. He'll give you a word for someone. Now, if we backed up, that was verse 17, back up just a verse. And this verse haunted me for the last two or three weeks. It just haunted me. I'm like, God, there's got to be more to this. This verse is too powerful than just what meets my mind the very beginning. He says, therefore, don't let your good be spoken of as evil. Sounds like a simple verse, doesn't it? Don't let the things that you're doing right be spoken. And I think the the easy meaning of this is live such a life that even when people make up a lie about you, everybody else will know that ain't the truth because I know that, brother. No truth in that, but I think it goes deeper. You see, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11, it was doctrine. It was all doctrinal. Here's what you should believe. Romans 12, chapter 12, began a whole new concept, a new division in this book called Romans. And it's all about how do we walk this thing out? How do we live this? Right? And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when this verse says, don't let your good be spoken of as evil, you got to go back to where Isaiah said... And Isaiah said in the last days, they'd call good evil and evil good. Brother and sister, we're there. We're there. They're calling the things of God now evil, and they're calling you narrow-minded if you believe it. I'm trying my best to maintain my composure today. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Mm-mm-mm. For it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Listen to this next verse, verse 17. For in it the righteousness, the righteousness that we just talked about. 
For in it, in what? In the gospel. In the gospel, this righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From mountaintop to mountaintop. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The life that we are living today as Christians, as sold out believers, is difficult. It's not easy. It's not easy standing in your faith when everybody else is making fun of you. Saying, I believe in the gospel. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in these things. And everybody's saying, you're a nut. I'm a nut for Jesus if I'm a nut. Right? My mind went back to this. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14, and in Proverbs 22, verse 28, says basically the same thing. It says, don't move the ancient boundaries. <laughs> Again, another verse that you read and you think, well, yeah, I get that. How can you cheat a man? If I live next door to you and I've got a hundred acres and you've got a hundred acres and I just start moving the boundary, I'm stealing acreage from you every day. You get that? That's the natural way to steal that and see that. And he's saying, don't be a thief. But there's something more there. Don't move the ancient boundaries. Don't move the things that got you here. The faith that we believe in. The fact that thy word is truth. When everybody comes up to you and says there is no thing, such thing as absolute truth, you just laugh in their faith. What an idiot. I can show you an absolute truth. The absolute truth is the word of God. Thy word is truth, right? Homosexuality is still a sin, my brother and sister. Don't move away from that because it's the word of God. Abortion is murder. I don't care if it's popular or not popular. Don't move the ancient boundary lines. There is one way to be saved and His name is Jesus. There are not many ways. The world is trying to, the world is pushing the church. You get it? The world is pushing on you. And Romans 12 verse 2 said, don't be conformed. Why? I think Paul looked down through the centuries through the Holy Ghost and he said, there's coming a day when the, when the culture of society is going to put a squeeze on you. And if you're not careful, here's what we do. We just keep backing up on our faith. And the Lord, I believe with all my heart, the Lord has sent me to tell you, stop backing up. Don't you move that ancient boundary line. The Word of God is true. Every word He said, He will watch over to perform it. Right? You can live your life, base your life on the Word of God. Everything else is sinking sand. Culture will change. It has changed and it will continue to change. But thy word is forever established in heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Woo! Doesn't that do something for you? My goodness, this is good. Doesn't matter what the people that you work with thinks about you. 
They may think you're the biggest nut that they've ever seen in their life. But you let them get ready to go through some difficult time. You know, you know what nut they're going to seek out? The nut that believes in prayer. The nut that says, my God can change any situation. Hallelujah. Aren't you tired of this world telling our kids that they can't stay pure? I don't care if you raise boys or you raise girls. You expect purity and holiness out of their life. And keep them in church. Keep them in the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Keep them where they know you're going to get good teaching. The last part of this is don't destroy the work of God for the stinking sake of eating. It's so much more than that. Like I said, you can look at me and tell this boy likes to eat. And he does. I like to eat. I like to do a lot of things. I sort of enjoy life. But if my enjoying life causes you to stumble, I need to quit enjoying that part of my life. Why? It is so much more important to me to see Jay in secret go to heaven, live a successful life, than doing something that I have the freedom to do, but makes them stumble. Does that make sense? Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. Absolutely you are. The Holy Spirit will keep them. But it matters how you live in front of them. Don't be a stumbling block. We're all on this spiritual journey. But we're all at different levels. Some people's faith is great. Some people's faith is not so great. Some people have very shallow, weak faith. And the Bible says, i got to be careful with that brother. I need to encourage him and and bring him up. I I promise you there's none of this. (laughs) That doesn't belong in the house of God. Right? Don't you be standing on these seats. No. (laughs) Don't you be looking down your holy nose at somebody else. And you're not to correct everybody. That ain't your job. That's the Holy Ghost's job. I find more preachers get in that trouble than anybody else. We try to bring correction to everybody. You know what? It ain't fun to them and it ain't fun to me. Isn't it so much better if we just do what the Lord says? You just preach the Word. And I'll do the correction. See, the Word of God corrects. The Word of God reproves. It brings everything we need. Trouble with that is, 98% of Christians don't read the Bible. Mm -mm -mm. Isn't that a a shame? I just was sort of found this interesting. 
Christians are always grabbing Bible verses and taking them out of context. And you know how I feel about drinking alcohol. You know, my dad was an alcoholic, so I have... I mean, I just don't think there's any good into that at all. I just... I just if I could do away with it, I would. My brother back here, who's chief of police, if we did away with alcohol and drugs, we could probably close the doors of the prison, couldn't we? It's a menace to our society. So listen to this. If I just took this verse out of context, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine. Hallelujah. I could just make a sermon out of that. We're all going to be vegetarians and we're going to throw our wine out. (laughs) But we can't pick and choose. We can't just take verses out of context. But I just wanted to bring that to you because I thought it was... It was really interesting. We can make a doctrine out of that. But that ain't what God was saying there. Okay? I want to take one more place where I just felt like the Lord wanted me to talk to you about. It's in Psalm 78. I don't think you have this. Psalm 78 verse 9 through 11 says this, The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His way and forgot His works and His wonders that He had shown them. You getting this? You didn't get that, did you? The children of Ephraim, that's one of the tribes of Jerusalem or one of the tribes of Israel, it says they turned back in the day of war. Oh, they they were armed for battle. But they went home. They didn't want to fight. And if we, if we fight, somebody's going to get hurt. And it might be me. <laughs> I've always had this philosophy. I don't mind dying, but I just don't want to be in pain. Right? <laughs> Lord, you know, I'm a bit of a sissy when it comes to pain. You can take me home anytime you want to, but Lord, I just do not suffer. I believe... This is a picture of the body of Christ today. We're armed for battle. We have everything we need to win the war. But many, many, many believers are choosing not to fight. You see, when someone comes up to you and says something at work that's just nonsense... You're a believer. But I don't want to confront it. But I don't do what I want. I do what the Lord tells me. Need to call that thing out. Need to say, you're thinking the wrong way. That's not the love of Jesus. Christians... God calls us an army. He doesn't call us an army because we're never in war. He calls us an army because the day that you get saved, you enlisted in the biggest battle of your life. We're in a battle. If my beliefs are right, that Jesus is coming soon, 
Satan knows it. He don't know the day or the hour, but he know he can read the time. He knows. And he's pouring it on. It is not up to us to fight with the Baptists, the Church of Christ, the Presbyterians, any of them. We're not here to fight with them. We're here to love them, encourage them, link arms with them, and fight with them. Not fight with them. Fight arm in arm. Does that make sense? Our, our battle is not flesh and blood. It's principalities. It's powers of darkness. See, what you're looking at, and you think, boy, she's just a problem to me. She ain't your problem. It's the spirit behind that. So you don't fight it flesh and blood. And you don't fight it with your words. You fight it on your knees. You fight it in prayer. Let's quit running home. You're equipped for battle. Now get up. I call for the spirit of Nehemiah in this place. The people have a mind to work. People have a mind to, to get busy and let's see the kingdom of darkness leave this city. I believe there's enough believers in the city of Paris and the county of Henry that we could take this thing by force. If we will stand up, don't move the ancient landmarks. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for everyone who believes. It's what got me to this place. It's what got you here. Believing in Jesus. Don't back up on that. Stand firm in your beliefs. And let's see the victory of our lives. Right? Would you stand with me? The Lord has given me specific instructions on how to end this. Sometimes I call people to the altar. And um, Arthur Lodge told me, he said, Eric, he said, if you didn't grow up like you, people don't know what that means. So I'm going to explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. (laughs) The altar is a place of dying. It's a place of surrender. Now, we don't have the old altars like we used to, but right here, that serves as a pretty good altar. You can come and just kneel, or if you can't kneel anymore, you can come and stand, and you can surrender. With all my heart today, this place ought to be full at this altar. You see, we are a church that's backed up. We're guilty of that. Every one of us. We've kept our mouth shut when we should have opened them for Christ. We moved some ancient boundaries. We need to establish the boundary again. I'm not going to tell you what you need to come down and pray for. And not all of you need to come. But I think the Holy Ghost is. I think the Holy Spirit is already dealing with people that saying, boy, I, I might just need to recommit my life. I'm going to ask Tim Weathers. I don't know if Jenny is in here with you. But I'm going to ask you to come down. Last night as I was praying, I just really felt like I was supposed to pray for you. Samantha, are you here with him? Samantha in the building?
Yeah, Samantha, you come down with your dad. And if you can get Jenny, get Jenny. I believe God wants to do something powerful in your life. I believe God wants to reverse some things that you don't believe are reversible. And um, you think God can reverse anything. That's what I needed to hear. Okay, folks, this altar is open. If you need to seek the Lord or if you need to surrender something to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has spoke to you and said, boy, that tugged on my heart, I want you to come. I want you to stand. I want you to kneel. I want you to get saved. I want you to surrender. Whatever the Lord is doing in your heart, just your time. See, I learned this a long time ago. I could preach for an hour, but Jesus can do more in 10 seconds at an altar than I can do in preaching in a lifetime. So this is your few seconds at this altar to make it right with God. Just trying to wait for Jenny. Oh, to Jesus. Just pray on your own. Pray on your own. Seek God. Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord. Repent if you need to repent. Hallelujah. If you need to be saved, come and see somebody. We want to we want to lead you to Jesus. Deacons, do I have you here? Are you still in the place? I need some prayer support. Oh, to Jesus I surrender.